You are listening to the Mimi B Podcast, a lifestyle podcast that is designed to help you transform your life and become the best version of yourself possible. On this podcast, we talk about health, personal growth, career, and pretty much everything else it takes to become the best you there is. I'm your host, Mimi Bouchard. I own the online magazine, Mimi B, and I create courses on how you can upgrade your life to the next level. Every single one of us has the ability to produce extraordinary results in our lives, and this podcast is going to help you get there. But yeah, basically, I I found you because I was in like this monstrous fight with my boyfriend about like a month ago, and I was on Instagram looking at like relationship advice. I don't even know how I found your account, but it literally just popped up, and I was hooked. Like I got into this like total like tunnel, and I just was looking at all of your captions, all of your content, because you literally everything you post on Instagram is so clear and concise and so easy to understand. It's like a therapist talking, but it's just so easy to understand. And that is so rare to find like the quality of content like that. So yeah, thank you for for putting so much time into that. Thanks. That's so nice to hear. Because sometimes I post things and I'm like, does this make sense? (laughs) No, you honestly say things so like in the most easy to understand way. Um, But yeah, so I've started recording. So I might as well just introduce you. Yes. (laughs) So Guys, today we have Miss Elizabeth on the podcast today. I found her on Instagram, as you can tell from what you just heard. And I, yeah, I'm just obsessed with her page, so I had to have her on. Elizabeth is a therapist based in Philadelphia. And yeah, she, she focuses on relationships and she's a couples therapist. And all of her content is really, really incredible because it's so easy to understand and it makes you want to literally better yourself in your relationship like that's what I took from reading all of your content list like I was like oh self-reflecting a lot and just seeing things in such a really logical way which I really appreciate so thank you so so much for coming on the show and thank you for having me I'm so excited to talk to you about all this kind of stuff obviously it's something I love to talk about Oh my God, I love to listen. (laughs) You know, I'm so excited for this conversation too. And I can't wait to pick your brain. But before we get into all the relationship tips and all that stuff, do you want to quickly kind of go over your backstory, how you started in therapy? Have you always um, wanted to be a therapist? What what interested you really about couples therapy uh, opposed to normal therapy and and all that jazz? Yeah, so... um... I am a couples therapist. I have my license in marriage and family therapy, and I'm also a certified Gottman couples therapist, um, and I practice in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I did not always know that I wanted to be a couples therapist, actually. I went to school first for international relations. I switched my major again to education, then I switched my major to organizational development. So I was like totally lost. On what I wanted to do in life, which I think resonates with a lot of people, you know, not we most, we, yeah, most of all, us are pretty much. Yeah, I think people put a lot of pressure on themselves actually to at age eighteen figure out exactly what they want to do, um, and I had no clue. And honestly, I had graduated from my undergrad degree. I didn't know what I wanted to do with it, and I was driving down the highway, and I saw a billboard for a couples therapy program. <laughs> 
No way. I swear. And I, I looked at it and it was a really boring billboard. It wasn't like it said anything um, that was an aha moment or anything like that. But I thought, you know, I've always wanted to help people. I had worked in a school um, and I wasn't a great teacher. I always liked to work with the parents and I, I really cared much more about, you know, what was going on internally for the children and what was going on with the parents and all of that. And I I saw this billboard and I thought, you know, maybe that's actually what I want to do. Maybe I I like working more one-on-one with people. And I went home that day. I applied to the program. I think I got in like a month later. And um, here we are today. I, I knew almost immediately it was my thing as soon as I started. And I've been doing it for like a decade now, which is so interesting to think. Um, and and that's really my story of how I became a couples therapist. And over time, it's it's grown. I've become more interested in different areas and more specialized in different areas. Um, but I've I've never looked back since. It's a really fulfilling career, and I'm I'm very lucky. Wow, that's an amazing story. That is so not a boring story. Most people go into their professions by just, you know, their life just took them there over time after university. It's just what felt right at the time. But you literally had one of those aha moments and yeah. saw <laughs> your future job <laughs> literally on a billboard. I'm like, wow, I wish I could see my future on billboards. Maybe every time you pass by a billboard, it's telling you something about your future now. <laughs> exactly. And the funny thing is they actually, a few years later, they ended up putting me on their billboard. And I thought it was such a cool, like full circle moment where I was wow. like, I'm inspired by your billboard. Now there's a random photo of me on the billboard. <laughs> That's really, really cool. Very full circle moment. Love it. Okay. So like, I want to pick your brain about everything relationships. Um, I'm going to ask you like so many questions if that's okay. Like, I'm just so curious. I, how, okay. So first of all, I really want to talk about the whole power struggle thing because when I was in this weird moment with my partner, Ben, um, about a month ago, I was really interested in the whole power struggle thing and, you know, just seeing things from different from the other person's view and basically for you guys that don't follow Liz already on Instagram she does like really cute little graphics of um let's say like it's like a couple and one of them says something and, and the other one replies and then in the description you'll go into detail of that interaction and and you know the co- the common causes of it and what potentially could happen in the future if, if you don't fix those um those habits and stuff so could you maybe describe the four power struggles and just, I guess, a little bit of a brief overview of them and and how detrimental some of them are? Yeah. So essentially, people get into different types of power struggles when they face challenges in their relationship. Um, You know, when you face a challenge, you can either face it by connecting and being compassionate with each other and finding solutions and moving forward. Or, which is the case for, I think, most people, including myself and including you and everybody else out there, we sometimes initially enter those challenges by like struggling with each other. And a a really common way that people do that is they they get into this like pool, push-pull dynamic with each other. And so sometimes it's called like pursuer-distancer. 
Um, sometimes it's called like demand withdrawal, but what happens is that one person um, becomes uh, ch- kind of chases the other person to to try to manage whatever is coming up in the relationship, and the other person, for different reasons, pulls away. And I like to think of them in four categories. So. One is that people are really afraid that if they talk about the issue, um, one partner might feel like if we talk about this issue, we're actually going to lose our connection because we're not good at talking about it. So they get flooded and they feel like I need to pull away to protect us from further fights. And the other person who's pursuing is thinking but if we don't talk about this right now, our relationship's going to fall apart. So in that dynamic, even though people are pushing and pulling away from each other, they actually are doing it because they want to save the relationship and they want to maintain the connection. Does that make sense? That makes complete sense. And that's actually the one that I connected with um, out of the four with Ben and I, because I'm a very feminine sensitive person, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to romantic relationships. And Ben, my boyfriend, he's very masculine and manly and he has a sensitive side 100% and it's, I love it and it's adorable and I also love his manly side but when we fight sometimes his go-to is like listen let's just like chill and like you know not like we don't need to like freak out and like make this a huge big thing let's just get like give each other some space maybe and that's how he deals with things but for me I'm like oh no the, the more time that we spend not dealing with this issue the bigger it'll become and I feel like all of our fights, Liz, like, and I talk about my relationship on the podcast a lot. Like, obviously, I keep a lot of it private, but I'm very open with some struggles that we've gone through. And um, I think our biggest thing is that these tiny things always just blow up because it's like he wants to just like not make it blow up. So he he's just like, it's okay. It's not a big deal. Let's yeah. just give it space. And I'm there and I'm like, but we need to talk about it. Why did you do this? Like, and I just go crazy. (laughs) So like, I know there's responsibility for both of us here. Like we need to be more, more understanding of the other person's needs. And like, we're so good at talking through it like the next day and being like, listen, like, this is why it blew up. Like we're very like self-aware and we reflect, which is amazing, but like, it still is an issue sometimes. So like, what would you say about that? Well, I think that you gave a really relatable example because that's totally what it sounds like for a lot of people that are stuck in that particular power struggle when it's about connection and wanting to save the relationship is it does sound like one person saying, come on, let's just chill. Like we love each other. Everything's cool. Come on, have fun with me. And the other person's like, how can we have fun? Our relationship's falling apart. (laughs) And it it becomes a really difficult back and forth. And the fight actually then becomes about this fact that you're both trying to connect or maintain connection. And, but you're fighting about the way you're trying to protect the connection, which is really interesting, right? So he's getting upset because he's thinking, I don't want us to fight. I want to save our relationship. And you are getting upset because you're saying, I want to save our relationship by having a conversation. And so you end up getting into a power struggle that pulls you apart when in reality, in this circumstance, what you both wanted was to maintain the relationship and keep it safe. Um, Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we, if we can understand those underlying things, 
we can be more attentive to what's going on for the other person um, while still getting our needs met, right? So you can say something to your partner like, I I totally get that you're afraid this is going to go off track. And is there a way we could talk about it that makes you more confident that it won't? Um, Or you could, you know, if the other person could say, I know you really want to talk about this right now, babe, because you are worried about the relationship. I want to assure you that everything's fine and I love you. Right now doesn't feel like a good time to talk, but I promise you like tomorrow while we're eating lunch, we can have this conversation. So in this dynamic where both people are trying to protect connection, what you really want to do is tap into that. And remember, your partner is just anxious or worried that something's going to go wrong. And so if what we can do instead is say, this is what I'm willing to do for you so that you feel comfortable, then things are going to go much better um, because you're reducing their anxiety. Yeah, that's literally it. And it's so easy to understand when you put it that way. But in the moment, I jump to conclusions. I'm a chronic overthinker. And I'm like, oh, like, you just don't care. And it's like, of course you do. You know what I mean? Of course. But yeah, it's just it's learning to dance together to tango to to be in this relationship being different people. And, and you know what, I'm not gonna lie, like, I am so thankful, because it is the best relationship in the world. And it's actually my first relationship. We've been together for almost two years. And it's like, he's a bit older than me. So he's very mature. He's been through other relationships. And I'm, you know, just learning along the way as well. So we're very, very good, good uh, match. And we really don't have any huge core issues. But you know, I've definitely witnessed a lot of my friends and, you know, family members that have had really toxic relationships. And I've noticed those other three power struggles um, that you talk about on your Instagram in some of those relationships. Like, what was the one after the pursuer and the distancer, which was kind of like Ben and I, there was another one that was similar to that, but more aggressive, like both people were like, aggressive towards each other. Do you know what I'm talking about there? Okay. Yeah. So another thing that can look similar, where one person's pulling away and the other person is pursuing is it it becomes more demanding than pursuing. And often I call that like the I'm punishing you dynamic. So when something has happened where the relationship has broken down for a while and people feel hurt, there is resentment, there's anger, there are unhealed wounds in the relationship. What can happen is that the other person pulls away in the relationship as a form of punishment and the other person pursues in the relationship almost as a form of punishment. So that kind of looks like maybe one person saying, we're going to talk about this over and over and over again, because I want you to know how pissed off I am. And I want you to feel like shit about it. Um, And really, the intent there is different, right? So it could look the same like the one we were talking about with you, where you might go up and say, we really need to talk about this. I'm still hurt by it. But your intent isn't to make the other person feel like crap. Your intent is to try to connect on it, try to get a sense of security and move forward. Sometimes when we're really angry at the other person, our intent, our, our intent is to be somewhat aggressive. And I mean, I've been there before where, you know, in a past relationship, I was just so hurt that I would bring things up and ask to talk about them because I wanted the other person 
to feel how badly I felt, right? And then that person would pull away from me and withdraw as also an attempt to punish me. So it's almost like, who does she think she is? I'm not going to talk about this. I'm going to um, ignore her phone call. I'm going to ignore her texts. And then later on, I'm going to say, um, well, I didn't like the way you talked to me, so I ignored you. So that one has more of a like underlying um, desire to kind of make the other person feel bad and to tell them what, you know, this is what I think of you and this is how I deserve or I, how I think you deserve to feel. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes total sense. And yeah, that, how, how do you deal with that though? If somebody listening right now is like, wow, that is me and my partner when we fight, we're both pretty, you know, stubborn towards each other and we want to punish each other and, you know, win, like they want to win, right? How would you fix that? Yeah. Like, you know, how would you, how would you go about that? If, if you're the exact same as your partner, whereas when you fight, like the other one like storms off and like punishes. Yeah. So there are a lot of things that have to happen when that dynamic has um, started to sprout in your relationship, because it usually is a sign that there's some underlying stuff that was never dealt with in the relationship. And so one of the most important things to do is to find a way to talk about those upsetting things that happened, those painful experiences that happened, but to be able to talk about them in a way where you own your feelings, you own the impact on you, and you're being assertive and direct about those things, but your intention isn't to make the other person feel any sort of way. And then it's also the job of the person that hurt you or betrayed you or harmed the relationship to find out what they need to do to atone for that. And what that might look like is that they do need to sit down and have more conversations with you and apologize and hear your feelings and validate your feelings. It might look like they need to do some trust building behaviors, which um, you know, maybe looks different than how the relationship looks like before. Maybe it's saying, I know that I really harmed you when you had a baby, when we had a baby a couple months ago and I wasn't there for you. I went out with my friends. I didn't help do any of the feedings. I, I did, you know, I, I told you that it was okay for you to stay up all night and not for me to stay up all night. And I know that you're really angry at me now and, that I need to make that up to you. So here are the things I'm going to do. I'm I'm not really going to go out with my friends for a couple months. I'm going to hang in. I'm going to take up more work in the house. I'm going to support you with the new baby more. Um, or let's say it was about an affair. Um, you know, I hurt you and you have every right in the world to be angry at me because I broke trust. And so this is what I'm going to do to restore your trust. I'm going to be more transparent about who I'm talking to, where I'm going, what I'm doing. And in that, I'm going to give you an opportunity to trust me again. So in that dynamic, both people are angry. Respect has somehow been lost. And the the job of both parties is to figure out how do we get back to a place of respect. And a lot of times it's for the person who, you know, harmed their partner in some way to show respect by saying, I'm going to make it up to you and I'm going to validate that that was upsetting and for the other person to be willing to allow their partner to make those amends um, and to also um, recognize that you can't continually add fees 
onto an overdraft, right? So they hurt you, they overdrafted the bank account. But once they start making amends, you can't continue to add more and more and more feeds. You, you have to be willing to allow them to pay you back. Um, mm. So it's, it's a much more challenging process to get through than the first example, right? Because the first example is we both want to connect. We love each other. Things are pretty good. The second example is we've had a major attachment wound and we're going to have to dig out of that together. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And just before we move on, on the topic of affairs, what do you think about them? Like, I bet you have so many clients that come in and say, listen, like someone's had an affair, like we need to deal with this. Do you truly think that there's, you know, a chance to go back to where you were at the beginning? Because for me, personally speaking, like I've never been cheated on, or have I ever cheated? But I, I feel like if I ever did get cheated on, I would just I'd be like, I can't, I, I can't go back to that. It's impossible to go back to that, you know, beginning phase of where we were. Like, I just will always have this core trust issue. And I, I don't think I'd be able to deal with it. Like, what do you think about that? Yeah, so I actually specialize in affairs. So I work with a lot of people that have experienced them. And no, you can't go back. Um, you have to work towards a place where you are rebuilding your relationship and renegotiating it. And for many people, the relationship, it it might be better to leave it, right? You might say, uh, you know, I, I don't think I could ever trust you again. Rebuilding this isn't really something that's valuable to me because of all the harm that's been done. Let's cut ties and move forward. Other people, they feel like there are reasons to try to heal and build trust. And um, those reasons vary, right? For some, it's that they recognize that there was some sort of breakdown in the relationship that caused the entry of an affair. And so they think, you know what, this really gives us an opportunity to look at the stuff that wasn't working before. We love each other. Let's make it work this time. Um, and for others, it's that they've already created some sort of legacy together. They have children or they, um, have dreams that they've been building and all of those things really bond to them. And they think, you know, the affair out of 50 years together, 40 years, you know, like there are people who have had really long relationships, uh, 15 years together, 20 years together out of all of this time that we've had together, the affair is a blip on the radar we do need to heal. Definitely the partner who caused the relational norm violation needs to make amends, but let's not throw you know the baby out with the bathwater. So I think that it's a really personal choice to make. And I think that there are good reasons for the choice to be made not to move forward. And there are really good reasons to move forward and to try to heal the relationship. If someone does decide to try to heal their relationship after an affair or cheating, like what's the top thing? Is it more the person that cheated doing work or the person that got cheated on needing to do a lot of work to try to forgive them? It's both. But the first stage is called the atonement stage in affair recovery. And So in that stage, it's really the job of the partner that had the affair to be really 
um, gentle, loving, open to listening to the harm they've caused, um, to give really good apologies, to um, to do whatever trust building behaviors they need to do, even if they're uncomfortable, and to be committed to doing this over the long haul because it is a long process. Um, for the person who was harmed because of the affair, the work for them is number one, self-care, right? So figuring out how do I still take care of myself even though my heart is broken? And how do I figure out what exactly I would need from this person to truly feel like they have built my trust again? And so their job isn't to do much other than to take good care of themselves and to be very clear about what the other person can do or needs to do in order to stay in a relationship with them. And so during that period of time, that person is going to spend a lot of time telling their partner what harmed them, asking questions that they need to know to clear up any confusion or, um, you know, anything that they've been curious about or wondered about that period of time that the affair was going on. Like the stage is theirs in that first, um, in that first period of time where they're working through the affair. Mm. I have a question. How do, are there any tips that you'd give to anybody to prevent an affair? Like, I, I, I just thought of this. Like, is there anything that people can, can do in a relationship that's amazing to prevent, you know, one of them having an affair in the future? Yeah, there are. <laughs> okay, let me know. <laughs> there are some affairs that just happen out of the blue, right? Where nothing, there was nothing going on that would have caused it or predicted it. And that could just be because the person that had the affair and for whatever reason was just, you know, was going to have an affair no matter what was going on. Most cases, though, something was going on, which is called reversed walls in a relationship. And what reversed walls mean is that in a really healthy relationship, you have you are a couple that's almost imagine yourselves inside of a house, right? And so you have strong walls around you. You also have doors and windows. So that allows access to people into your life and it allows you to go out into the world and do the things you need to do because um, a really important part of a relationship is that you still have a sense of self. But in this house, you are really cautious about how wide you open the windows. You're really cautious that you don't just like leave the door wide open so that anybody can walk in off the street and you have strong walls that protect you. And what that looks like in real terms is that you're making sure you're not a workaholic, right? Because if you are, your your windows are wide open and all of your energy goes right out of them and you're spending all of your time at work. You're making sure that the things that you dedicate your time to, that the whole window isn't open to them. So if you enjoy going out with your friends, that's wonderful. But does the window ever close on that? Is it ever that you also spend time at home with your partner? Um, who is the door open to? Like, who are you having phone conversations with? Um, is your windows or doors open way too wide for information to exit the relationship? So are you calling all of your friends to complain about your partner the first chance you get? Because actually, that's one of the biggest breakdowns is when we start to complain to other people, um, they can shift our perspective of our relationship. And if we're complaining too much, we may complain to a person 
who we can become attracted to, right? Because they can provide us some sort of emotional responsiveness that we're looking to. So you want to make sure that you're paying attention to how much of the information and energy is going out of the relationship. When affairs happen, it's often that somehow the walls have been put between you and your partner instead of you and the outside world. And so the two of you stop sharing information with each other, stop talking about your feelings, um, don't share what you're comfortable with or uncomfortable with or what's making you unhappy. And instead, what's happening is you're sharing that with the entire world and everybody else knows about you and everybody else gets your time and everybody else gets your love, but there's a wall between the two of you. And so you're not sharing that with each other. So preventing an affair means that you're really conscious of who's getting your emotional energy, how much time is being dedicated to the relationship. And am I being fair about the way I'm sharing information to the outside world? Like, have I even spoken to my partner yet about my concerns before I'm calling up my mom and complaining to my mom about my concerns with my partner? Mm. So, but what about if it's like, somebody is attracted to someone else and like, it's not like they can go tell their partner about that or they can, I guess. (laughs) But then how would that that partner react? You know, if Ben came up to me saying, Hey, I'm attracted to a girl at work. I'd go, I'd be like, okay, give me her address. (laughs) It's time to. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking how I would react. Like if my husband came home and said, um, just so you know, I'm highly attracted to this woman in my office. Yeah, like um, how, like, first yeah. of all, how would you approach your partner if you wanted to be honest about it and talk through it and get over it? And B, how would you, like, what's a good way to react if your partner comes up to you and says that? <laughs> that's, a, that's such a good question. So, okay, first of all, we're all attracted to other people. And I think that we need to know that that's reality. Like, are we attracted to the point that we would ever act on it? No, but you know, I, I know that certain men are attractive and I could see them and think they're really handsome that you don't have to share with your partner because they also find that other people are attractive as well. I think though, the line is, do you, are you starting to feel like you want to act on it? And has it started making you feel think that you're going to pull away from the relationship more? Um, or has it started to make you question whether you even want to be in the relationship? And so you might not open the conversation by saying, hey, let's sit down. I want to tell you how hot Judy is at work. Um, but what you maybe are saying instead is, I've been noticing that I'm feeling distracted from this relationship And I think it's really important for us to talk about it. Like we, I I don't ever want to do something that hurts you. I don't ever want to break the contract of our relationship. And I'm, I'm in this moment, I'm not going to, that's why I'm talking to you, but we really need to talk about this relationship and whether or not we're on the same page. Like, am I, am I missing something? Are you missing something? Have we not been doing enough work to cultivate it? Because it really concerns me that I've been, um, you know, that I've been feeling like attracted to other people or distracted by other people. Is that a comfortable conversation to have? No, but it's honest. And it gives the other person an opportunity to say, yeah, I've been feeling the same way, or I've been noticing the same issues. 
you know, where they can also say that's like really hurtful to me. That's way too hurtful for me to accept. And so I'm going to make my own choices now. Um, how do you respond if somebody brings something up like that to you? I, I just think there's so many ways that you can respond to things. You have to respond in your own authentic way. If it makes you really angry, you can tell them that makes you really angry. You don't have to be um, super calm about something upsetting like that. Um, you know, you can also respond by saying, I can't talk about this right now. I need a moment. Um, but I think what's most important to consider is at least this person's coming to you honestly and giving you a choice because we often don't give our partners choices. We withhold information and then we act on it later and people can feel really blindsided. So uncomfortable conversation. Yes. Could it lead to a big fight? Of course. Could it lead to a breakup? Yes. But I think that it offers some really like authentic and honest communication. Mm, Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. And on that topic, like what are your top tips to keep a relationship thriving? Like I, I know you're obviously married and, and you've been in a relationship a long time and you have so many clients and you've seen pretty much everything there is to see with with couples and drama within couples and breakups and makeups and all that stuff. What would you say like the top three biggest things are like the top three most important characteristics to have in the relationship or habits to have in the relationship to keep it as a thriving, fresh, beautiful relationship with longevity? I love that question. I think that the first is that you really cultivate your friendship Um, because if you are not trying to be friends with each other and hanging out and having fun, it's really hard to do the rest of the stuff that um, life presents to us, right? Like life can be really challenging, stressful, um, and we have to face things together. And so how can you make sure that you're really paying attention to play in your relationship? Couples that, this is cheesy, it like rhymes, but couples that play together, stay together. And it's true. When people have fun together, they're more likely to be easier on each other during arguments. Um, they have things to look forward to together, even in tough times. And fun also gives you a great moment and time to check in with each other. Because when you're having fun with each other, it's like, okay, we're pretty good. Like, what else do you need in this relationship, babe? And it it becomes a really positive time to be real with each other. Um, the second thing that's really important is learning how to have conversations that don't devolve into criticism, defensiveness, stonewalling, or contempt. And what contempt means is that you belittle your partner, kind of make fun of them in a mean-spirited way. Um, So when you learn how to speak for yourself instead of criticize, when you take responsibility for the stuff that hurts your partner, um, when you learn to talk about things instead of stonewall, and when you're respectful, it's much easier to manage conflicts and to use conflicts as a way to grow. And so I think that's the second most important thing. And the third is that you're constantly checking in with each other about what the other person needs in terms of intimacy. And there's four types of intimacy. So you want to 
check in, like, how are we doing with sexual and physical intimacy? How are you feeling in terms of emotional intimacy? How are you feeling in terms of experiential intimacy, which is, you know, are we doing a lot of fun things together? And how are you feeling in terms of intellectual intimacy, which is feeling like you can talk about topics that are interesting to you? Because when you can engage in those four areas of intimacy, you can really maintain a spark with the other person and, and you, you stay interested in each other. You want to spend time with each other. Amazing. I love all of this. And it's so true. It is so, 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 so true. First of all, the friendship thing, major. Like, I, I feel like being in a relationship is having a best friend that you're also intimate with and romantic with. Like, that's essentially to me what a relationship is. It's having a best friend that is just like, you know, up a notch, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And um, yeah, that that's so, so true. And Yeah. In the second point, is that the four horsemen that you talk about? Stonewalling, contempt. What what are the other two? Criticism and defensiveness. So they're called the four horsemen because like the four horsemen of the apocalypse in the Bible that signal the end of times, if you don't correct them in your relationship, those four behaviors signal the end of a relationship with over 90% predictability. So knowing those things and learning how to shift them is like one of the most important things. And it's also pretty easy. How is it easy? Tell me how, how can we in relationships kind of either stop the other person from criticizing you or, or if you feel contempt towards the other person, like how do you deal with that? Yeah. So it's easy because it's straightforward what you have to replace each thing with. And I'm not saying that that is easy to break a habit But it's easier to break a habit when you know exactly what you need to do. And so if you're critical to your partner, which means that you take a flaw um, or you take a, a, a challenge in the relationship and you apply it to a flaw within them. So you're saying not I'm instead of saying I'm bothered by dirty dishes in the sink, you're saying um, you're you're lazy or you never care about our house. So you're making them the problem. Instead of criticizing, you just replace it with something called gentle startup, which is where you talk about the same issue, but you talk about it using the template that sounds like when this happens, I feel blank and I really need blank. So you're saying the exact same issue, but you're being more clear about how it impacts you and what you need. So when I come home and the dishes are dirty in the sink, um, I feel angry. I feel stressed. And what I really need is for us to come up with some sort of solution for a clean kitchen. When you say it that way, the person is way less likely to be defensive, which is so important. Um, So with defensiveness, you want to replace defensiveness with taking responsibility for your own part. So defensiveness looks like um, punting criticism back, um, explaining yourself too much, saying but at the end of your sentences. And instead, What you can do is hear what the other person has to say and either validate that it makes sense they would feel that way or take responsibility. So with the dishes example, it might look defensiveness would look like, well, you never clean your car. So why do I have to clean the dishes? Um, But taking responsibility for your part would be saying, you're right. The dishes are a mess. We do need to figure out a solution or I can really validate that you feel that way. I would feel stressed out too if if I came home from work and the dishes were in the sink. So 
just shifting from defensiveness to taking responsibility really stops a conflict in its tracks and it makes your partner feel heard. For stonewalling, stonewalling looks like somebody's talking about something upsetting and you stop responding. And so you might start to like cross your arms across your body or look away or even leave the room. And over time, that of course stops um, open communication. And the reason people do that is usually because their heart rate is above 100 beats per minute. And when your heart rate is that high, you cannot have um, really good conversation. It's hard to access your thoughts. You know, you can think about going on a run with someone and you're trying to talk about things and you keep going, wait, I've lost you know, track of my thought. And that's because you cannot think um, there's certain fight or flight things happening in your body that flood your brain and make it really hard to talk. So that person freezes. And the way to respond to that is to learn how to soothe yourself. And so self-soothing looks like taking your heart rate down below 100 so that you can access your thoughts again. And it usually takes about 20 minutes to be able to do that. So you may have to say to your partner, I'm super overwhelmed. I'm really flooded. I need to take a break. And during the break, you do breathing exercises or you take a walk or you draw something or you journal anything that's going to take your heart rate down. Because when you do that, you can re-engage in the conversation again. And then the last one, which is contempt, is actually the most toxic of all four. Once a relationship starts showing contempt, it usually means that the other three horsemen have been happening to some extent for a while because contempt represents, I don't respect you anymore. I think you're beneath me. And so if we're talking about the dishes issue again, if I'm being contemptuous of someone, I would say, where did you learn how to clean a house? Did your mother never teach you how to do that? I'm, I'm really sticking it to them. And I do it in a way that says, I think you're less than me and you kind of disgust me. When we feel contempt, we really need to look within ourselves and think, where did this breakdown happen? Like, did this person hurt me at some point? Like, why do I almost hate them so much? Because contempt shows that you're like really hating this other person and it feels like hate to the other person. And the way to shift that is to start talking about your own feelings. So to be able to say, it's really hard for me to talk about these dishes again, because we've been talking about them for a year and I feel so disrespected by you, or I am feeling so frustrated owning those feelings. And they can be with intensity if they need to, but remembering that it never does any good to belittle our partner or be sarcastic about them or make fun of them. And so it's so important that we step away from that. Hundred mm, percent. Oh my god, I don't know what I would do if my partner spoke to me in that way. It. I feel like the condescending contempt thing. Like I've experienced that with friendships and and family members, but never like really with Ben. Um, that would just break my heart because like I. I just wouldn't be able to deal with it. Like, that's just, that seems so, so awful. It's like the worst thing. It's bad. And it, it, you know, it can, and I'm sure that you are sensing this, it can lead into an emotionally or physically abusive relationship because Mm. once that line has been crossed, the line of respect, which Mm. every relationship has to have an expectation of respect, it's so much easier to keep crossing the lines. And so crossing the line and making fun of somebody's 
family or how they were raised or how they do something, you know, it's just that much easier to then cross the line and curse at them and call them names. It's just that much easier to then cross the line and harm them physically. So once a relationship hits contempt, you know, I suggest that you go to a couples therapist to really work through it because there's a lot of healing that needs to be done in that relationship. Mm, Yeah. And if that just can't get fixed, it's, you know, (laughs) that's like, you know, this biggest sign of breaking up, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Contempt is the number one predictor of divorce. So studies done on hundreds and hundreds of couples over decades. You can watch a couple for 15 minutes in a conflict and you can predict whether they're going to get divorced because of the fact that you'll see contempt. That is respect in a relationship or your relationship will not last. And so if there's contempt, like I mentioned, it's a sign that respect has been lost. And so you have to find a way to get back that basic expectation or the relationship will end. And, you know, sometimes you're better for it. You know, you shouldn't have to be in a relationship where someone disrespects you, makes fun of you, rolls their eyes at you, smirks at you. Um, You deserve to be with someone who really cares for you and um, doesn't want to make you feel badly. 100%. Wow. Oh, I could speak to you for hours, Liz. Honestly, I cannot believe we're already at 45 minutes. I, know, like I, I was looking at the clock. I was like, wow. <laughs> oh my God. Can, can you come on again, please? Like, we should do a QA or something with my I listeners. QA. That would be so fun. Oh my God. That'd be such a good idea. Okay. You know what? I'm going to post this podcast. Um, I'm going to post this next week. I'm going to post this on Tuesday. Um, today's the 8th. Today's Thursday. I'm going to post it on Tuesday. And I'm going to post an Instagram story asking people to send in questions for a Q&A. And we should book in another podcast for the next few weeks. I love this so much. Like, I want you to be like the in-house like relationship <laughs> therapist for Mimi B. <laughs> I love it. I would love to. So that sounds really fun to me. And just let me know and we can figure out a time. Oh, my God. Yay. Okay, quickly before we go, do you want to let everyone know your socials, your Instagram, where they can find you? And if you do like... Skype sessions as well, like coaching services online. I'm sure you do, right? Yeah. So right now um, I'm fully booked, but if you're interested in working with me, you can email my assistant, um, Eunice at abetterlifetherapy.com. And she has a list of um, names that she's keeping and I will reach out when I have time. But I also um, offer courses. And so if you visit my Instagram, which is at Liz Listens, I have some free courses. I have some paid courses. Um, if you click the link in the bio through um, my relationship teaching platform, which is called Rory, which stands for relationship with others and relationship with yourself. Um, and so if you go there, you can take courses. And I periodically offer, you know, live webinars and things like that. And again, like a lot of them are actually free. So I'm always doing things um, to bring just relationship information to people because to me, um, relationships make or break people's mental health. The way that we treat others and the way we feel treated um, is deeply, deeply impactful. And so I'm really passionate about finding ways to help people have better relationships. Oh my God. I love it so much. Yes, guys, honestly, go follow Liz Listens because I'm like obsessed. I, 
I, I can spend hours on your feed just reading everything. It's so incredible. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you. Well, guys, DM me any questions. If you missed the Q&A on my Instagram story, literally just DM me a question for Liz and we'll get her back on.